0: And welcome, everybody, to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the Osip Foundation Incorporated. Sean's looking at me surprised that I didn't start off with some ridiculous joke. And uh, anyone? That's, that's
1: really, I, 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 don't, I don't understand where this is coming from.
0: Uh, sorry, I, I had coffee you, I this I was morning.
1: expecting the unexpected, well, and, I, and that's what I got.
0: Well, you did get the unexpected, and I'm sure that we'll just disappoint from there. But uh, welcome, everybody, to How You Play Game. Uh, Yours truly, Jack, for along with you, as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the second episode of May. The year is 2019. Across the way, our producer engineer, Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean, hello. Hello, Jack. How's everything? peachy keen that's fantastic as always we want to remind everybody listening uh how to get in touch with the show uh you can always email us at podcast at the website of course is osipfoundation.org where you can submit your stories of sportsmanship for us to talk about on the show you can connect with us on social media, facebook.com slash Foundation, Twitter at Osef Foundation, hashtag how you play the game. And now Instagram is fully set up and raring to go. The handle is at Osef Foundation. We have a very special episode today. Joining us today on the phone via technology that we don't fully understand, <laughs> but uh, that is uh, still amazing to all of us, is the founder of MoreThanBaseball.org, Mr. Jeremy Wolf. Jeremy, it's Jack and Sean here at OSIP. How are you today?
2: Thank you guys for having me. I feel like I'm having a conversation with both of my grandparents.
0: Oh, that's perfect. That because we. I don't know we, how you feel about that. Well, I think that that means that I am old, and uh, and
1: I'm senile.
0: You're senile, so it works out perfectly. No offense, Jeremy. No. I don't.
1: I don't know any. No, 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 don't worry. <laughs> no.
0: Jeremy, you, how old are you? I got to ask now.
1: 25
0: okay so you we've beaten you by 10 years we're sean lost oh, by 10 years. Yeah, we lost by 10 <laughs> years so you had a much better minor league career than both of us combined uh and uh so i think we're doing uh i think we're doing pretty well with that thus far uh jeremy why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself your organization you know get us get the ball rolling and uh get us off the ground
2: sure yeah uh, more than baseball um is a response to everything that's happening between Major League Baseball and the minor league players. There isn't a lot of relief uh, for minor leaguers. They have to buy their own equipment, their own housing, their own food. In the off season, they're on their own. They play on average four and a half years and then they're on their own after their careers are over. And when I was released by the New York Mets, there was there was nothing to fall back into, right? You play baseball your whole life. You know it's what you're gonna do. You dream of being a a minor leaguer or a a professional baseball player. And then when it's over, you don't know where to go next. And so more than baseball is the response to um, we're trying to get them housing, food, equipment, and then allowing them the opportunity to, to transition out when they're done playing.
0: I'm looking at your statistics now on BaseballReference.com. You oh, played please it. don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, this, this is good. This is you, Kingsport in the Appy League, Brooklyn in the New York Penn League, uh, 274 batting average. That's fantastic. Uh, 343 on base, 406 slugging, 749 uh, OPS. Uh, really, the only disappointing things are one triple and two sacrifice flies. So I have to ask, were your teammates just – terrible on getting on base ahead of you.
2: I'll be honest. And now, because I don't think that there's anybody holding me accountable on the 2016 Kingsport Mets team. Uh, we were not a very high on base percentage team. Uh, we had, I think in both of my years playing pro ball, we were the worst team in the league. Um, but I don't know. At this point, does, does winning matter in the minor leagues? You know, if we can have that conversation till we're blue in the face. Um, do my stats, yeah do my stats represent a good
0: career? Well, well somewhere Billy Bean is crying and uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. I was gonna until this year I would have said that would have caused the more people on the New York Mets to get injured unfortunately that's now cross town and uh, but uh, still at the same time same time you've done something that I think uh, you know men everywhere have dreamed of and that's and that's getting to professional baseball at, at some point. And, and, you know, that, that's a beautiful thing just in itself. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about to start, you know, you've talked about getting uh, people set up after baseball, uh, during baseball, things like that. You know, there was a point in time when I think More major league teams did a little bit more. I remember having a conversation with uh, David Eckstein, the MVP of the 2002 World Series, when he was a minor leaguer in the Red Sox organization and our local affiliate, the Trenton Thunder, were affiliated with them. And he said to me, the one thing he had to fall back on is that when his playing career was done, there was a clause in his contract that said if he goes back to college within five years, the Red Sox will pick up the tab. Are things like that completely out of the writing of of minor league contracts now?
2: Yeah, that's not the full story. Okay. Uh, maybe not. I don't know his situation. Maybe he argued for that when he was signed. I, I do know that the teams will pay for you to return back to college um, if you uh, argue for that in your contract. So they'll take the money for college out of your signing bonus.
0: I see. So yeah. That's, so it's a kind of a rob Peter to pay Paul sort of a thing. It's it's a. Let's you know defer what we're going to give you and hold it hold it off in order to exactly exactly yeah. So so talk about what minor leaguers go through while they're playing because the the picture that you've painted is you know a a little dire. It's a little grim in what minor leaguers go through during the season. Start there.
2: Yeah. So I. I start off all these conversations with it's really an honor to play professional baseball. It's really, uh, it, it's really, it was the best part of my life. It, it, it's amazing to be able to wear a New York Mets uniform uh, and be a New York Mets player was, was a dream of mine. And, and I think I'm thankful for every second I had doing it. Uh, that being said, there were things that I saw where I know that um, things could be better. Right, The players could be treated better. And so there's an interesting dichotomy between, yes, I'm a professional baseball player, but at the same time, there are things that I wasn't given that uh, should have been provided for me or should be in the structure of minor league baseball that just aren't. And it's deemed uh, not as valuable because we are baseball players. It's the same argument that that these uh, women's professional hockey players are arguing for when they say – they, um, you know, they're making $2,000 a year with no health insurance. Uh, we feel that. We we, we understand that. Um, and so just because we're athletes doesn't mean that we're not um, deemed as worthy as other employees. And so i just like to start my conversations off with, yeah, I understand that we play a sport. But, yes, I'm an employee, and I should be given the things that employees get, you know, at my job.
0: It seems like... You know, in, in this type of a situation, athletes are classified as entertainers. And as a result of that, they get treated this way. And I know I'm kind of painting it with a very grotesque brush, but it almost seems like, if I can quote the uh, great animated show Rick and Morty, it seems like slavery with extra steps it's it just seems like there is a and Sean's looking at me like we have just completely destroyed the the oh. entire integrity of every organization that has fought for 501c3 uh, status but in reality it just seems like there is a a viewpoint that sets athletes sets entertainers as a, a step below a notch below as if they're not Essential to society, therefore, we don't need to treat them properly. Would you? Would you say that assessment is somewhat accurate at least?
2: Yeah, I think the paradox is interesting because okay, baseball is a business. That that means that the players should be considered employees, and they're not. And so. You know, it's funny that the people that I speak to who say, you know, they're just minor league baseball players, shut up and dribble, go play the game, we would do it for free, so you should do it for free, are defending billionaires who always vote against their own personal interests. So um, as a minor league baseball player, there were things that um, I needed to to perform at my job that I wasn't. Um, I didn't have the opportunity to get from my employer. And More Than Baseball is a response to that. It's a response saying, well, what's something I can do to help a minor leaguer today? What's something I can do to make his life better so that he can perform at his job? Which leads us to what's our, what makes us valuable to a, um, a major league team? Well, if these kids are focusing solely on playing baseball, if 12 months a year they have the opportunity to train and improve their skill, then we're increasing player development because these players are uh, going to perform better at their job. They're going to develop better. They're an investment, and the teams want to see those investments grow. And so for us as an organization, why would the Toronto Blue Jays partner with us? Because if we help their players, their players are going to develop, and if those players develop, you can use them as a valuable tool and asset at the big league level, which is the purpose of minor league baseball. So we're improving player development as a whole, and being a non-combative source of information to fans and teams and players to say this is what minor league baseball is actually like. We don't argue for more money. We don't say we don't scream from the rooftops and say hey you need to pay them more. This isn't going to go away until they're making 25 dollars $30, $35,000 a year like other professional minor league sports. So for us it's what's something that we can do today and that's being available for the fans, being available for media, consulting major league teams, um, you know, trying to help a player make it to the big leagues because 95% won't. But what if we get another one, right? What if what we do is helping guys get to the major leagues? So uh, that's what we do in a a nutshell.
1: Jeremy, to, to echo your sentiment and to sort of piggyback on what Jack was saying before, Um, Both Jack and I, by day, uh, by trade, are musicians. And, you know, as as baseball is a form of entertainment, so is music. And we can see the parallels with regard to us not being respected uh, when, you know, other people could do it for free, as you said, Jeremy. Uh, That really kind of hits the nail on the head. Um, with regard to where J- Jack and I are at, where, where we feel like we're at um, a lot of the time. So this is something we can definitely relate to. What are your thoughts on that, Jack?
0: Well, you know, it, it's it's so funny because, you know, in music, we get it now with the advent of certain technologies where anyone with an internet connection and a server and you know, a guitar can upload their music and have it downloaded at whatever you know the demand is. So it's it's similar to that in, in that it's there's more access to it. Uh, you know, with baseball, you still have to go through what would be the equivalent of the record companies. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. teams still have to sign you. They still have to place you on a you know, right, roster and whatnot. Yeah. You know, uh, but. The theory is the same in that, uh, you know, there are people who wish they could do this and would do it for free, which is, you know, altruistic, but slightly ignorant to the idea that this is still a business. There's still money changing hands. This is still how uh, people make their living. It's their livelihood.
1: And in a way, you know, the, the, the people that do do it for free, and as you said, it was altruistic, could almost be deterrent, or um, can be a, uh, can be looked at as somewhat of a negative thing for people who are trying to do this for a living. Right. Um, I don't know what your what are your thoughts on that, Jeremy?
2: It's the same thing as uh, imagine the people who go watch the games are the people who listen to your music on Spotify, and mm-hmm. you can see that ten thousand people are. At the games, you can see that 100,000 people are listening to your music on Spotify, and you don't see a dime of that. Yeah. You're, you're paid uh, in the minor leagues by your team, and that team is federally exempt from giving you a fair wage. So I'm not going to be making money until uh, – I'm touring with the Foo Fighters, right? And so right. up until that point, up until I can make – open for a major band, I'm not going to make money. It's the same thing.
0: Now you mentioned the the federal exemption that teams have. Uh, explain to our listeners what that exemption is. Uh, you know, in in layman's terms, so that you know the general population can understand exactly what that is.
2: Yeah, the major league baseball teams are federally exempt thanks to the 1938 Fair Labor Standards Act. Of paying minor league baseball players. Uh, a livable wage so back in the 60s the minor leaguers used to make uh, about almost double or triple what they're making now so it was a livable it was a minor league baseball was livable in the 1960s you were making 15 percent of what major leaguers were making now minor leaguers are making 0.015 percent of what major leaguers are making. So the average major leaguer now is making $4.6 million. The average minor leaguer now is making 7500 bucks, for the same amount of time from spring training until the last day of the season, which is, you know, March through September. So over that time, over the last however many years, Minor leaguers have just been left at the same level as major leaguers' salaries, the profits, the revenues. Even minor league revenues have—they're uh, close to a billion dollars a year because uh, it's a good product, it's a good investment, it's a good thing to own a team. And Warren Buffett owns a team. It's a good investment to own right. a team.
0: So, it seems like on the surface, this becomes just a general issue of minor league baseball needs to catch up with the times the uh the, the standard cost of living has increased and minor league baseball uh through major league baseball et cetera, however you want to classify that has not adjusted as such in the interest of making more money themselves rather than paying the people what they deserve uh it, it just got got caught by the wayside in the interest of greed, unfortunately. I know that's a little bit of a negative slant on it, but it just seems accurate. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah. I mean, the players aren't treated well because they don't have to be treated well. Right. So, so the notion of shut up and dribble is, well, you do it for free, so go do it. Like, look at these Dominican kids. They're literally risking their lives to come here and play and... um they're making just as much as the american players and their money just goes a little bit further i guess in the dominican but these these kids have nothing back home so you're doing whatever you can you're desperate to make it uh, to where you can actually make this self-sustaining and that, and that brings us back to the whole point right playing minor league baseball is not self-sustaining and is there are there things that, that can happen that uh, we'll make it so, well, yeah, the Supreme Court can overturn the rule, which isn't going to happen. Uh, the owners can pay them more, which they've shown that they don't want to do. Um, or we can build a nonprofit and help players individually and specifically and scale, that, scale the goodwill of, of helping guys try to succeed. So um, when it comes down to what we are trying to do as an organization it's it's just helping my friends and helping former teammates and helping minor league baseball players so that they don't have to sleep on an air mattress in the kitchen of an apartment with six other people uh it's a it's a sad fact that they're you know they don't can't afford beds and they can't afford bats and they can't afford equipment um that's that's that's, 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 that's what we're trying to fight
1: yeah, that's the most mind-boggling thing. You think that, I mean, they, they have to get their own equipment. You don't. Th- I mean, I, I don't understand why the team... Well, I'll throw
0: this at you. I can understand why, you know, a minor league ball player would be on the hook for his own equipment. That'd be like you and me being on the hook for our own instruments. Your instruments, so uh, yeah. I guess. Okay. However, it would make sense to me to say that uh, a minor league team should at least be providing the basic essentials such as reasonable living quarters Mm -hmm. and food, which is, which is difficult for, for, for this. I mean, Jeremy, can you tell us any either personal or uh, stories that you've heard that are, you know, for lack of a better term, a horror story of something similar to these air mattresses in the kitchen and whatnot?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just the classic, should, you know, all minor leaguers will understand that. You know, if there's not enough food before the game, and because you have 25 teammates that took a second meal before you could, you know, go over and get your food, you're, you're going to be hungry before the game, and you can't leave the field, and you can't really leave the clubhouse. What are you going to go eat a hot dog before the game? Like, so, you know, eating McDonald's after the game is is normal. If there's not enough food, or if, you know, if you're tired of Jersey Mikes for the No, you know, no offense, but if you're (laughs) if you're tired of Thursday, Mike for the last you know seven days in a row, it's it. it, How am I supposed to perform at a professional level and improve when my diet, you know, supplied by the team, is not sustainable food? If it's bread and turkey, how am I I, I, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches before the game is not going to make me, um, you know, it's not the right way to feed you know, high performance athletes. So we're just trying to give these kids uh, who are playing now the opportunity to eat good, healthy food. And we partner with a company called Elements uh, Nutrition and and they have freeze-dried foods and uh, you can boil water and pour water in the bag. And for 10 minutes you sit and wait and then you can eat a really, really good nutritious meal for the same amount of money as you'd be spending at Cookout and McDonald's and Taco Bell after the game. And so, You know, the horror is, yeah, as a professional baseball player, I ate a lot of fast food because that's all I could afford. Uh, To counteract that, we're trying to give kids, for the same price, access to really, really healthy, nutritious food. The better we eat, the better we sleep, the better we're going to play. The better we play, the better we're going to develop. And the better we develop, the higher chance we're going to have to make it to the major leagues. And so it all comes back to... We're trying to get these kids to the major leagues.
0: You know, it almost seems like you could go off on a separate tangent there and say the better the we play, the more the fans are gonna come out, even at the minor league level. I mean, it's a smaller scale, but the the bottom line still will increase for those who own the team. So this is from a certain point of view a very win-win situation if it yeah. gets funded and fueled. And because the more that they invest. In their team the more that their bottom line is going to uh, increase assuming that those decisions were the right decisions
2: so, yeah and, and if I if I can jump in the the minor league teams are uh, most of them are independently owned from major league organizations right. so the minor league team's job is to uh, get people to the ballpark and the major league team's job is to provide the entertainment exactly uh, you know it is if the, if the minor league teams jump in and say, Hey, we'll help house them. And then if you house them, feed them, equip them, they're going to play better. If they play better, you're going to win more. If you win more, you have more opportunities to get fans to the ballpark and you make more money.
0: Right. It's, so, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's, it seems obvious. It seems too easy. It, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it reminds me of a story. I was just thinking about this the other day when I was in eighth grade, which, you know, Jeremy, this was back when dinosaurs roamed the Earth. I know you wouldn't understand, seeing how you're so much younger than us. But, uh, I remember when, dinosaurs. Remember dinosaurs, Sean? Yeah. Uh, so, it was on
1: Friday nights on TGIF.
0: Wow. Go outside and think about what you just <laughs> said. Yeah. Um, when when I was in 8th grade science... And Sean is literally taking off his headphones now. When I was in 8th grade science uh, class, we were in these like really run-down classrooms, and it was just such a drag. And I had no interest in, in what was going on in science whatsoever. The school went through a remodel during the course of the year, and they opened up this wing for all the new science classrooms. And halfway through the year, we moved into this brand-new state-of-the-art room. And although my interest in science didn't increase my grades did because I took a more of an interest with what was given to me. And it seems like it's the same thing here. If you provide the players with the resources, they're going to want to perform. They're going to want to do better. I mean, it just, like you said, it seems like a gold mine and yet they're, they're, they're hesitant to go down this road.
2: I talk to people in player development all the time. And what they tell me is we're, um you know not trying to fuck them up (laughs) that's really all it is we draft we're trying to draft the best players and if we don't mess them up they have a higher chance of making it and from my perspective it's it's bring us in allow us to work with you and your teams and allow them to focus on training in the off season right right i know a kid who uh, works at Target in the offseason for eight hours a day because he needs to make money for him and his family. And he was like a 12th-round draft pick. And so how how is he expected to perform at the highest level when he has a 9-to-5 job in the offseason and his competition is training 12 months a year? And so, yes, minor league baseball is... Uh, a training ground for those high signing bonuses and those draft picks who make millions and millions of dollars. Those are the guys who have the most opportunity. They, the million dollar guys, have a million dollars worth of opportunity. But you have four thousand guys who aren't the million dollar guys. You have thousands and thousands of players who come in every year who aren't million dollar signing bonus guys, and these guys. I'm not saying it's a right that they should be given. I'd say they should have the opportunity to perform and succeed just like everybody else. But right. it's a caste system in itself to say like the highest wealthiest are going to make it and the lowest poorest aren't. Like I had $5,000 worth of opportunities. Right. That's why I played only two years. I didn't perform. Even if I hit 350 with 12 home runs or 15 or 25 home runs, I still would have been the 31st round draft pick who got $5,000. Who can't really throw from the outfield? So.
0: And your sacrifice fly rate would be so much higher too. I mean, we if just buy here another saber metrics. <laughs> you guys, don't worry, we hate it too. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what's what's really interesting about this too is that you know, again, I don't want to make this into any sort of uh, a political statement or anything like that. But the route that you guys are taking is so admirable because. What you're doing is instead of fighting the machine per se, you're saying, "Okay, we're going to take what we've been given this situation, et cetera, and we're going to look to improve upon it. It's very much akin to some of the stuff that we talk about in sportsmanship in that rather than look at the call that you disagree with, take that and figure out where you can go from there. You know, the marathon sprinter or the marathon runner doesn't look at the spot on the ground where he tripped and starts coming up with excuses over that. He gets up and he keeps going. If you know, if you don't like a, a pitch that was called a strike, rather than make a big deal about it, you you get back in the box and you try and do something with your at-bat. And this is the same thing here in that you're saying rather you know, it you're assessing the situation, you're saying it's going to be difficult to get the Supreme Court to overturn this. It's going to get be difficult to get owners to uh, to help us out. We're going to just do what we can to make the best of the situation, and this intrinsic way of doing it is is going to be so successful in that. And it just it, to me that gives it more meaning. That gives more fuel to the fire. That drives it more to say we're going to. Uh, Make this succeed. It's almost very uh, Martin Luther King like, you know, in in, like the silent protests and whatnot. It's not the exact same thing. Nobody's marching on Washington yet, but it's it has its similarities. What what can you talk to us about
2: that? Uh, Yeah, it's it's if you can't beat them, join them. Right. Okay. so can we build a union? No, like that's impossible in minor league baseball. There's such an influx of new players every single year that there's no opportunity to build an infrastructure of organizing. So you can't build a union. Okay. So how else can you affect change? Uh, You can sue Major League Baseball. Uh, Well, that's the reason for the Save America's Pastime Act. You literally cannot sue Major League Baseball anymore for fair wage. Okay. Okay. So you can't sue. You can't build a union. And your friends are still hungry without – beds or anything so uh a non-profit is is the way to go could we have been a for-profit sure that would have been more difficult i wouldn't have been able to get in uh you know different publications because look at this for-profit organization coming in and profiting off of minor league baseball which i know some companies are doing there's a company called big league advance and what they do is they give people hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for uh, a percentage of their career earnings. So if you give a a Latin guy $500,000 and he has the opportunity to make it to the big leagues, well, you giving him $500,000 for potentially a percentage of $100 million in the next five, six, seven years. So what's that kid going to do? Say, no, I don't want the $500,000 now. So there are companies that are coming in and saying, well, look at how bad these minor league baseball players are being treated. Let's come in and give them money for a percentage of their potential career earnings." We didn't want to be anything close to that. We want to be the opposite of that. We want to be the goodwill that brings people together. We want to show the value that baseball can have in communities. I saw it myself, Brooklyn. I played for the Cyclones in 2017 and there was a community of Jewish baseball players there that, uh, wore my Jersey because I was number 18 and they're, you know, and I am a Jewish, uh, just became Israeli and I'm on the Israeli Olympic team. And, um, they, 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 they came to me, right. They, and they said, you're my favorite player because you're Jewish and you were our number. That means a lot. As a minor leaguer, I have value in that community and thousands and thousands of people would come to our games at night and I would still go to bed hungry. And so what's something that we can do to bring the community, the teams, the players and the organizations together to make a better future for baseball? Baseball is is dying. I think it is dying because kids aren't saying, man, I want to be like Mike Trout. They say, look, I want to be Kyler Murray. I want to be Steph Curry. I want to be LeBron. I want to be a mogul. I want to be on Instagram. I want to have thousands and thousands of followers, where Mike Trout is the best baseball player of all time, and half of the country hasn't heard of him.
0: Right.
2: And so, can we bring out baseball in these in in, in these inner cities, in where these uh, minor league teams are located in in the South and in uh, the middle of the country, where? this is all that they would have. In, in Des Moines, there's no professional sports except for the Iowa Cubs. And so can we show the value that the Cubs hold in that, in that area by showing the value that these minor leaguers can have for these individual communities?
0: So talk to us about what people can do. It seems like you know, Obviously, going to the website, morethanbaseball.org is the start, donating, pledging, etc., and not only what they can do, but what their pledge does. What is it that their money goes to when, when they generously donate to your cause?
2: Yeah, and so if somebody wants to donate, they can come to the website, they can go to the Give button. And their money can go specifically to a community, right? If they know a little league team or a little league field that needs a renovation or they need equipment, you can give your money to uh, this little league organization, right? You can donate specifically to a player. You can pay for a team's clubhouse dues, which is, um, you know, hundreds of dollars a month for each player. And the bad boy um, makes more money than us because he's getting paid by us and and the team. So, um these fans that want to donate can can donate specifically to a cause that can donate to our organization our our what we do with our money is we put on events and we use our money to help uh, players get that equipment and so um, with fan help we can get we can become self-sustaining where we have thousands of fans, you know, donating monthly to us and we have a couple major leaguers and we have a couple teams on board. Well, then, um, more than baseball is self-sustaining, we can help all 5,000 minor leaguers. Um, and so fans have the power um, to help specific communities and individuals. They can put on events and they can talk about the value that minor league teams and, and players hold. And, you know, they can... Um, get us local companies to try to help house them or give players gift cards for being a minor leaguer and um, can help feed them. So there's a, there's so much that a fan can do to help these players that they don't have the opportunity to do with, without more than baseball. I know fans who said, hey, if you need anything, let me know. A, a player is is, is going to be bashful and say, well, I have, I have what I need. I have four bats. And, Um, you know, I I need a new glove and I can't afford it. But he's not going to ask a fan to, Hey, can you buy me some batting gloves? Uh, But now if, if these fans have the direct connection to uh, the players and say, Hey, uh, what do you need? I can, I can help you. I'm not, I'm not going to Venmo you money. Right. But through more than baseball, I can, I can help get you things. Our community can help get you guys. things Now, I, I don't want more than baseball to subsidize equipment that the major league team should be obligated to, to help provide for these players. And so for us, we have these conversations and say, you know, the fans can help these, they can help, uh, <coughs> excuse me, they can help these players and put on events and, and help educate and help do whatever they need to do for their communities. We shouldn't forget that the teams need to be part of this conversation too.
0: Right. And you've you've said you've got the Toronto Blue Jays on board, right? Yes, yeah. That's great. That's great. And it, I'm sure there's a joke in there about Canada being very, very nice to everybody. But
2: we'll I've just... made it. I've made it plenty of times.
0: Great, great. We're all yeah. on the same wavelength.
2: Of course, the one Canadian team is going right. to help these guys.
0: Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And somewhere the creators of South Park are going. Oh, this is just writes itself.
2: So thank you, buddy. Thanks, guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what's funny about this, though. Is that and I and talk about South Park because this goes back to a very very early episode of South Park with uh, Sally Struthers and and oh, whatnot. But you know um, the idea is what that, was
1: that Starvin' Marvin, Starvin' Marvin, exactly. <laughs> you know the idea is that
0: you know we see these commercials on TV and you know we all kind of have some of the same reaction to them and whatnot. You know, out of sight, out of mind. Whatever, however you might react to it, it's it's we we have these. These assumptions about these commercials about the kids in Africa, et cetera. This is a situation that is so akin to that. Is it life or death? Probably not. However, it is something where you can really see your investment, you know, in your own community. You you are essentially doing the same thing and you can see that return on the investment. It's just as important. Uh, it, it, I don't want to belittle the importance of the kids in Africa, so to speak. I, I don't want to take away from that at all. But for the people who kind of shun that, this is a prime example of another way that they can help, that they can see their their charitable donation at work, in the community, and perhaps be relatable. You know, if you have a kid who's playing baseball, if you are someone who always wanted to play baseball, whatever the case may be, we can draw a million conclusions. Uh, this is something that that can speak to people, and it should be promoted as such because people can see the change, in essence, right in their backyard.
2: Yeah, I, I, in college I studied nonprofit management and I, I studied how these types of companies work. And, and what I found was if you just donate and donate and donate, sure, you're, you're giving things that people don't have. But why don't you become proactive, right? Why doesn't an organization go out and um, help create jobs for people instead of just donating shoes, Right, not naming names, but Tom's does this. Right, they donate shoes. At the end of the day, they're not trying to build up economies because if they help build economies, they're they might lose money because the people who are buying shoes to then donate the shoes might. um, You know, the 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 connection between helping these poor communities is just if I buy this shoe at sixty-five dollars, well, then this shoe is going to go and be given to people without shoes there's uh the these the people who do that and 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 we're all guilty of doing something like that being novel like that and i understand it's the way that you know the world works right now but um as an organization we wanted fans and players to be proactive in the conversation and we wanted to open it up to where organizations can come in and have these discussions but also work side by side with communities with minor league teams, with players and, and and it's like working on it from an individual level. And we wanted it to be self-sustaining in that way where sure we can open up the conversation, but at the end of the day, it's up to the fans and it's up to the players and it's up to the teams to say, what value can we get when everybody works together? And so, you know, if a fan donates $50 and and a kid gets a case of bats, sure. That's, that's, phenomenal. That's something that wasn't here when I was playing. That's the, the fact that we're able to do that is enormous, but this fan now has the opportunity to work side by side with the player and the team to ensure that this kid has the opportunity and, and the ability to be as successful as he can be while playing minor league baseball. And it's, so, yeah. It's very
0: similar in a way to what we at OSA kind of say behind the scenes is that our goal is, is to not exist, to not have to exist. And there's a pandemic on our hands with poor sportsmanship, with violence and acts of aggression about this kind of stuff. And we want to do things and encourage people to do things. Yeah, you can just throw money at the problem. That's one thing. And we're happy to take it and we're happy to use it in a way that we, we find fulfills our mission statement. But our ultimate goal is to get people to realize that you can't treat other people poorly in, in, the, in the context of sports. And we don't want to have to exist. We shouldn't have to be here, but we are. And it seems like it's kind of similar to that in that you guys are more than happy to take the donation to make sure that the kid gets his bats and whatnot. And that's fantastic, and they want that. But then take the next step. Get involved. Get you know. Change the world. Even in your small little circle, the smallest step makes the biggest of differences. Right.
2: Yeah. It's it's using the power that sports holds to say, well, look how power, look how powerful an individual can be through the lens of of sports. Right. Right. It's it's that simple.
0: And I think that this also, you know, to kind of begin to wrap it up a little bit, I, I I would venture to say that. For, for those who are, you know, to play devil's advocate, to, to be on the side of, of those who either aren't grasping it or who would disagree. And let me just state for the record that I'm not on that side. I'm just playing that role. This isn't a political argument. This isn't an argument about capitalism or anything like that. This is about common human decency. You know, uh, we see it a lot, especially in New Jersey, we see it. Uh, like with teachers you know there's the argument that uh, teachers only work 10 months a year so they should be complacent with what they get and so on and so forth and you know power professionals are in that but there's a lot of professions that are similar to that and then the point is that it doesn't work that way you can't cast that broad brush in that way and just assume that it can be part of some agenda or or, or anything like that. It is, a, it is a specific situation that needs to be addressed. And this is the exact same thing. There are people out there who are athletes. They're entertainers. We get that. But they deserve basic human decency. No one's asking for the million dollars at the low A level. They're asking for... You know, the the general funding, the general th- uh, needs, needs to be met just so that they can have the proper equipment, they can eat, they can sleep, they can just get by normally. And I don't think that that's too much to ask.
1: Yeah, can, you, hit,
2: you hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. Good. That's Good. That's, I'm glad I can yeah. do
0: your job for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, verbatim. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would say is, is Sure they're playing baseball but put that aside if we didn't say baseball this entire conversation people would go crazy that there are employees that have to live this way but as soon as i say they're minor league baseball players people go oh they're playing baseball oh shut up go go play right yeah that's and that's an issue and that's why these teams are being protected in that way that's why there's not an uproar about it over. Oh, they Wait, they're playing a, a game, and and they have to do all this stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah, go. Let them do it. Yeah. Uh, but if this was a McDonald's worker who has to buy his own tools, if it's a teacher who has to buy her own supplies, and doesn't know where her next meal is going to come from, and uh, she's just living on an air mattress with seven other teachers, right? People would be up in arms. And so we're trying to we're trying to take that notion and say. Well, yes, it is baseball, but baseball is a microcosm of the society that we do live in. And though this is on a smaller scale, there's only 5,000, 6,000 teams – or 6,000 players. Well, the teams that they play for are making billions of dollars a year, and they don't have to support their employees so they're not going to. So we have to take it amongst ourselves as as fans of baseball, as people who love baseball, as people who love sport and want to say – I want to do everything I can to enable this kid to succeed. And I'm okay that I don't get anything in return.
0: Last couple of questions for you. You know, we've talked about what people can do, whether it be through donating or through uh, getting involved in the process, etc. Is there anything else that you would tell the average person about either how to get involved or things to avoid so that they don't perpetuate the problem. Because I can see how some people might say, wait a second, so are you saying don't go out to minor league baseball games? What? Where is that line of demarcation? What can you tell yeah. the average fan about that?
2: That's interesting. It's, it's go out to minor league games, but go have conversations with the players. If, if you have the ability, don't scream and say, Hey, you know, Jimmy Lipper, you suck. I could have hit that curveball. It's uh, go have conversations with the players and see if there's anything that they need. What can you do as a, a fan to help this kid? Uh, go to minor league games. Ha- teach your kids baseball. Like, baseball is a valuable tool to help them in, in life. I'm, I am who I am because of the game of baseball. I'm very thankful to have been able to play the game of baseball. But don't say that you do it for free because you haven't had the opportunity uh, to play professional baseball, you know, just because that you think you can do it doesn't mean that you can not do it. You can't hit a ninety-five mile per hour fastball. I'm sorry, so don't make fun of the kid who can't afford to play the game. That's that's what I say to people is that, uh, and I know I might be coming off a little stern, but it's it's you have the power as a baseball fan to help these kids, and I think if you love baseball, you should. Uh, feel it upon yourself to say, well, what's something I can do to help my favorite player or help this kid who was really, really great to my son or my daughter or uh, who signed an autograph and took his time out and and had these conversations. And um, Fans now have the power to help the players and the teams should feel obligated to to join them. And, And we open more than baseball up to have everybody work together to help players. So the notion of Shut up and dribble, and I do it for free. We're we sure if you feel that way, uh, okay. I'm sure you feel strongly about other things I, I, I disagree with, and I respect your decision. But you know, I'm at the end of the day, I'm just trying to get my friends bats and I'm trying to get them gloves. And if we can break it down to those levels, well, I, I would hope people understand that it's that simple,
0: you know. And as somebody who can't really hit a 98 mile an hour fastball anymore after dislocating his shoulder about three or four times. I totally get it. So it's, yeah. it's a tough thing to do. I still play in a men's league and Sorry. yeah, it's, it's very difficult. And I still get in the batter's box and think to myself, this is wow. I just, I, I'm blessed to be here and I just don't yeah. want to end up in the ER.
2: It, it shouldn't be uh baseball shouldn't be for the wealthiest. Right. It should be for everybody. And so if, I'm a poor kid who works his ass off to get to uh, minor league baseball. I I shouldn't still be the poor kid trying to play baseball. Do do, do you see what I'm saying? Well, it's a lot easier now. It's a lot easier now for a kid who's who's not as fortunate as others to say, "Well, I'm just going to go play basketball." It's a lot cheaper. I'm just going to go play football. My opportunity to make a paycheck or a full ride scholarship is that much greater because I played a different sport. Baseball doesn't give full-ride scholarships because the really, really good players who would go to college are going to get drafted anyway. And so you have 12 scholarships for um, 29 to 40 players. So baseball players aren't getting full-ride scholarships. So, yes, they do have student loans, right? And if you can make it through college baseball, you're going to get a lower signing bonus than guys out of high school. And so um, a majority, a very vast majority of players – Aren't able to make ends meet in the minor league.
0: What's crazy about that, too? You know, you're talking earlier about for-profit organizations uh, in in your your area here. I mean, we see it in New Jersey with a lot of the travel programs. You know, there are these programs that basically just pop up and are money making machines and they say we're going to invite all these players in all these teams in we're going to play tournament after tournament after tournament and basically these people these kids get so burnt out they're playing baseball 12 months a year which is in itself not the bad thing it's that they're playing 12 hours a day and that it's just they're they're being fed these hopes and dreams and it's just not that 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 simple there's so much more that goes into it and there's you know there's there's unfortunately more and more people trying to take advantage of that and this is where you know people need to wake up to reality a little bit it's not the way you think it is it's, Base, it's different
2: yeah baseball is more white than it ever has been in major leagues it's older than it ever has been in the major leagues and and kids uh, when they have to decide between football, basketball, and baseball, what the hell are they going to choose? Right? Look at Tyler so Murray
0: right there. Exactly.
2: Example. Are they going to choose the sport that uh, is old fashioned and, and you tuck in your shirt and you wear belts, right? And it's really expensive and you can't pimp and you can't, um, you know, show emotion? It's very stern. And if you do something, you're going to get hit with a 90 mile per hour fastball. Do I want that? Right. Do I want to be team-controlled at the major league level for six years and not have the opportunity for a major contract until I'm uh, three years older than uh, the other sports? Or do I want to choose football and basketball where I can get a full-ride scholarship, get to the highest level, be team-controlled for three years, and then be a free agent? John Wall's making $45 million a year. Okay? In baseball, can you find an equivalent to that? No, because... And yeah. The answer is no. <laughs> Yeah. So baseball, it is harder to make your money. Granted, Mike Trout just made $400 million. So we know that there's money in, in baseball, right? And right. so all we're asking is that we give kids, A, the opportunity to make minor league baseball something that they can do and not have to worry about where their next meal is going to come from. And then, two, let's make it appealing for – non-white baseball players who are deciding what to do, uh, with their athleticism. Simple as that.
1: I would say the most important thing, uh, that oh. I'm sort of getting from this, uh, last part of the podcast is just making everyone aware of what's going on. I mean, the educational, uh, you know, just because before all this, I had no idea. I don't I don't know if, you had any idea, Jack? I, I knew,
0: I mean, listen, I've been around baseball my entire life. You know, I eat, sleep and drink baseball and, and I knew that minor league players were in a boat similar to this, but thanks to this organization, I'm now seeing that it is worse than where I once saw it. And unfortunately that that's a problem. Yeah. That's an issue is that this is that we have the ability to treat these people this way. That's, that's flat out wrong and this isn't about uh, this isn't about uh, the the minor leaguers I, I mean I'm going back to this a million times minor leaguers asking for millions upon millions of dollars this isn't even a political thing this is just basic human decency I always go back to this in uh, in some of my you know, in some of my other spiritual uh, discussions that I have that you know with regard to wealth you can't take it with you it's it's here. It's great, but it should be used the, the proper way. And we're not going to argue about government regulation of it or anything like that. But what do you what what good does it do to just sit on it there? You have the ability to invest it in ways that are. Uh, helpful to people and you know advance society and do you know intrinsic good and so on and so forth. So why not do that? Why is it so necessary for an owner to sit on it rather than provide his players with the the necessary means of just getting by in life? And and I hope that. The people who hear this will understand that this is a perfect opportunity for them as well to get involved and to change the culture of minor league baseball and to awaken them to this uh, problem that does not get publicized. So uh, Jeremy, before we sign off, is there anything else that that we need to know as the general public about more than baseball or or how to get involved or anything else you want you want to add? The floor is yours.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I think that if, if these discussions are incredibly important, you know, no matter if a hundred people or a million people listen to it, the fact that we're, we're at the point where we can have these discussions about what we can do as a person to help, um, these, these people take baseball away from it, take minor league baseball away from it, take the fact that they're professional athletes away from it and just say, what's something I can do to help somebody today? Uh, and I know my money is going to go to a, a good place because we show you where your money goes. It's not going to go into a pot and we're not going to pull from it. It's If you want your money to go to something specific, we can show you the outcome of that. And even if you don't, if you say, hey, here's – we have one donor who's giving $25 a month. It's incredibly important uh, for us to, to, to thank her every month and, and say, you know, what we did with your money this month is – we helped feed a kid. We helped buy a mattress. And so, um, you know, for us, if you have the means, you now have the power and the ability to help a player without uh, belittling him because he chose this line of work, right? Now he has the opportunity to succeed, to succeed like everybody else. You know, I, I want my friends who are still playing, who are going to play until they're 27, 28, to when they're done playing have something on their resume of value so that they're not doing an entry level job or just going into high school coaching or teaching. Not that that's a a bad thing, but they shouldn't be, um, they shouldn't be punished because they decided to play minor league baseball for six years. And so that's where, that's where all of this lies is let's help educate and feed and, and give professional assistance and guidance to minor leaguers because Uh, it's the right thing to do and we have the power now to do it and so we have one of 30 teams and we want to get 29 more and we want to work with them to help provide opportunities and career assistance and housing and food and and help to their employees which brings me back to we shouldn't have to do that and so if Major League Baseball or the MLBPA wants to bring us in and, and help facilitate that, that we can get out of everybody's hair in three years when we establish something and put something in place that can structurally help players. Until then, we're going to do this work because uh, someone's got to do it, right? I saw too many players struggling. And I'll give you just one last, one last story is that sure. there's a kid in the Dominican. I'm not going to say what team he plays for, but it's a kid in the Dominican who uh, has cancer, and he wants to uh, buy his, his family a house. And uh, playing minor league baseball didn't give him the opportunity to make enough money to get his family a house. Okay, sure, but um, you know, he has to pay for some of his medical bills, and he, wasn't, he doesn't have the ability to um, really get an education out of playing minor league baseball to then provide uh, assistance to his family back in the Dominican Uh, He came in, he played, he had cancer, you know, bad luck, and he's now back in the Dominican. We have to be able to give uh, international players the opportunity to succeed, just like American players. And so um, I know the conversations like this are, yes, incredibly important, but we can't forget uh, people who are living in, in shacks down in the Dominican, and yes, they're professional baseball players, but... Um, we should help educate them as well. And we should help, um, you know, their futures, not just when they're baseball players, but we should be obligated to help them, uh, when they go home and, and, and they're not professional baseball players anymore. It,
0: it speaks to the perfect overlap at the foundation of both your organization and our organization, uh, you know, where the Venn diagram, Uh, meets in the middle and that is that the golden rule still exists and that's to treat other people as you would wish to be treated whether that is in the terms of sportsmanship where you wouldn't uh, attack another person verbally or physically over athletics or uh, you want to stop uh, some of the injustices within minor league baseball with the way that people are living it's just do your part to Make sure that if you were in those shoes, you would want to be treated a certain way. It's wow. it's not that difficult. It's it's basic human common sense, and I think that's what all of us are asking uh, the people who are hearing this message.
2: So yeah, it's it's help it's help where you can help exactly. You, you now have the power to help uh, something you weren't able to help before, and right. so. Uh, as a as a fan of baseball, uh, to do your part
0: <laughs> exactly, and it's not it's not a political message. It's not no, not at all. It's supposed yeah. to be about general human decency. It's supposed to be about you as an individual have an opportunity to to advance society, and you and and we as people need to take those opportunities and and do that uh, in the way that we feel called to do. And we just hope that we can appeal to those people to, you know, get the message across, do what you can. Uh, whether it's financial or not, get involved, donate your time, your talents, whatever it is. Uh, if, you, if you have it, use it. It's, it's that simple. So, Jeremy, I, I can't thank you enough for being here with us today. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And we wish you all the luck with More Than Baseball. And I, I hope that 29 other teams get on board and that you are able to uh, make such a huge difference in in the world of baseball, athletics, and entertainment.
2: Yeah, thank you, guys. Really appreciate the time.
0: It's, it's our pleasure. Thank you, Jeremy. Our, our guest, again, Jeremy Wolf of morethanbaseball.org. Please visit the website, get involved, uh, and and do your part. So that about wraps up uh, this edition of How You Play the Game. Uh, we thank you all for being here with us. Uh, thank our guest Jeremy. Sean, thank you for, for your part as well. Thank you. We will, uh, of course, see you all in June, or you'll hear us because you know podcasts are audio. That's how the technology works. Um, but thank you again. And uh, until next time, everybody, please treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSEP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org. If you're interested in advertising on How You Play the Game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org.